This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. I've got to sort these headphones out. I've had these headphones now for like... Oh, when did I buy them? I bought them before I went to my first LAN party. Wow. I'm guessing that's three kids and quite a way back. Oh, blimey, I must have been... Oh, what would it have been? I must have been 14 or 15. It's kind of weird when you can look back that far in your life. Yeah. Because at that point, I'm looking back further than I could look back when I was that age. Yep. Yep. (laughs) 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 I think the ones I've got have easily got to be 12, 13 years old. Strapped together at the moment with a piece of tape. (laughs) Yeah, same. They've got the ones I've got. I've got this like outrageously long cord, almost like I think they're three meters or five meters, like way longer. I'm sure we've had this conversation actually. We got the same headphones or a very similar set. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to take them off and look at the model. Uh, Right, they are Technics RP Dash F two nine five. No, they're diff- uh, we've got different ones. Um, these are stereo headphones, no less, written on the side. Stereo in big letters. Hang on a second. <laughs> it's like that was a big feature <laughs> when I bought them. So mine are Sony's MDR V300. Oh, so you sound way posher than mine. <laughs> they really weren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think mine were like 20 quid. I think they were bought from a shop called uh, Borders which was a bookstore, like a franchise bookstore that then diversified and yeah they've, they've since poofed out of uh, existence I would love some wireless ones, I really would um, but the trouble is you then for anything that isn't I mean like this you would then get a little bit of lag wouldn't you if I use them for this potentially um, yeah yep. gaming certainly would be no good if you're using them like over bluetooth yep um although i did see that corsair do um i mean they're not really like headphone headphones they're like a gaming headset so they've kind of got like this little sort of mic that swings down and all that sort of stuff but they run it over the same 2.4 gigahertz technology they use their wireless mice on right and and their claim with the wireless mice is that um it's sub one millisecond, which is as fast or faster than uh, like USB can um, ask for data over a wire. So it's kind of like right. it's as good. Okay. So that kind of gave me a bit of a, like a huh. Yeah, I guess if you put the audio over that, then it should be relatively lag free. I don't know if it would be entirely lag free, but it would be a good step of the way there. It's probably much lower latency than Bluetooth. Yeah, Bluetooth. I notice it with the AirPods. Um, Especially if I'm like doing any editing work or it's kind of like if I hit pause, the audio keeps going for just, I can notice it like that little bit more. Yep. You know, like sometimes on the TV where you, they'll do like a a cut to a scene and the audio will start before the video. I think they call it like a J cut or something like that. Right. Um, You kind of see it in like soap operas quite a lot. Yeah. So you'll hear the scene before you see it. It's almost like that. Yeah. But then all the time um, (laughs) as you're editing, not fun. Yeah, you kind of learn to, like, gauge it. Yeah. Like, you you start to compensate for it. Uh, apparently the AirPod Pros are a little bit better, but it's still there. I should probably sort out my AirPods as well, actually. <laughs> 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 While well, well, we've randomly stumbled into headphone talk. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, they're really bad. I need to sort them out. My my right earpiece is the only one that works now. Um, the left one will only for about twenty seconds. Oh, that's no good. That's completely gone. Yeah, so the left one's. But then I only ever use one at a time, so it's not massively mm. a problem. Like if I'm out walking, I'll never put both of them in. A because I'm paranoid about a car creeping up behind me because I kind of walk on just like lanes with no pavements. So you might get like a tractor coming up behind you or something. And just kind of general awareness, like where you know, I want to be able to hear roughly where the dog is, like if he's off his lead sniffing around or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, the right one is the battery life. It's starting to to fail. Although I'm not sure how much I trust how badly it's failing, because I get the little AirPods sort of, that little sad noise that they do when the battery's dying. And they'll almost go as long again after that, once I've right. heard that noise. So. That's odd. It does yeah. sound, though, like it's probably reached its like maximum number of cycles and, you know, you're now into, like, degraded, outgoing territory. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't really begrudge them anything. I, I use them so much, like, so much. Multiple stints a day I'll use them for. They're just so good. Um, they're, they're probably my favourite Apple product. Right. I would say in the last three, four, five years, I would say. Like, the, the amount I paid for them versus what they've given me is is incredible. Because they are expensive if you put them on the shelf next to just, like, even Apple's wired headphones. But, God, they're really good. They really are good. Uh, do you have any? I don't. I'm in a very different end of the market for my headphones. I've got, um, well, different end of the market in terms of cost. Um I've got the uh, Xiaomi AirDots. Oh, yeah. Um, and in fact, I now have two pairs. Um, like a home and an office pair. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I've got... <laughs> I got into the city um, to go to work uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and I'd, I'd left my headphones at home, and this keeps happening, and it's an unpleasant experience for me on the bus because I really like to just put my headphones in and tune everything out. Um, and I used the, my headphones in the office as well. And I just, I rely on them a lot to, to filter background noise and to kind of just maintain the environment that I'm in. And I think I rely on this a lot more now because of the, uh, the sort of, um, concussion thing, um, and being, being in recovery from all of that, you know, being able to like filter background noise means that I can sort of maintain my, my headspace a bit better. Yeah. Um so anyway, they were all of like fifty dollars NZ uh from a shop in the city and I ordered a pair that morning and then went across town and picked them up and sorted out the rest of my day. You say fifty dollars NZ, what's that sort about of US twenty five pounds? Oh that's pretty good. Yeah, maybe about thirty, thirty five dollars US I think, I'm not sure. I always get that one a bit um this one's a bit hard to figure out. I always find it weird going to US because in terms of like Apple products, it went like almost one-to-one, but it was one-to-one. Now, quite often, it's more expensive in pounds than it is dollars, which is, is weird. Like, not by much. I think like if, say, like the iPhone SE is like 399 US, it would be like 419 here. Yeah. Uh, which is, which isn't great. But anyway, yes, I, I, I chucked money at my headphone problem. 
uh, a couple of weeks ago. Now, now I have two pairs of exactly the same sort of headphones, one of which will always um, stay at home and the other one will always um, stay in my bag. Um, That's cool. But, yeah. Because so, cool. the, the problem that happens usually is it's usually not that I've gotten all the way out of the house and then realized I've left them at home. It's usually that I've put them somewhere in the house and because they're so small I lose them and because I'm usually like in a bit of a rush to just get out of the door first thing on the morning I haven't got the time to to go all over the house and find wherever it is that I've put them and again yeah. that's probably a problem that's harder these days just because I'm in, in the post-concussion kind of mode um, so having one that definitely just lives in my bag solves that problem I think for me the way AirPods have kind of become so like ingrained in my life is that they fit perfectly in that little pocket you get with jeans. Yep. Um I think it was like is it the iPod Nano or the iPod one of them where Steve Jobs kind of said, "Have you ever wondered what this pocket's for?" and of course he, you know, classic Steve Jobs style pulls out this tiny little iPod and the crowd goes wild. Well, that's kind of like my AirPods pocket. Yep. And I don't know whether like on the whole it's a good or a bad thing because I find that I will just put you know just quickly grab and put an ear an, an airpod in and just start listening to stuff when I wouldn't have before so I don't know whether there's like a not being present thing going on there as much as maybe I should be some of the time yeah I always feel like a little bit tempted by it in the same way you sometimes feel tempted by social media when you know you probably shouldn't be looking at it right so it's easy to just slip it in and have a podcast or whatever yeah or, or youtube because a lot of youtube stuff i i found the stuff i watch a lot of tech stuff you don't really need to watch it you just need to hear it yeah because there's like a lot of kind of talking head videos or even if you, you know it's like footage of some tech thing it's like you can basically tell what's going on just by hearing it um so then it would just play and obviously the youtube algorithm just keeps feeding you stuff and I just, you know, put my phone on the table and just wander around the house with a, whatever YouTube's kind of stuffing into my ears, basically. <laughs> um, I maybe need to rein it in a little bit with the AirPods sometimes. It's probably why the batteries have died in them, because they just get Sounding so much Sounding that use. way, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey-ho. Um, so this weekend I've been getting a little deeper um, into SwiftUI, which uh, has been been quite an interesting experience for me really i've I've sort of been programming go vj my my video mixing app in swift ui for on and off for the last last few weeks really and what i've been up to this weekend has not been go vj actually um I i think What's what's ended up happening really is that with with go vj set up it's like a single screen app in a lot of ways um there's no flow or anything like that to it it's kind of once you're in there and the onboarding screens have been there it's it's the main control interface plus a sheet that's presented over the top for settings and there's not a lot more to it in terms of uh sort of like navigation views or anything like that but i don't know why i think this is probably just a bit of uh my tendency here or there, but I've ended up starting a new project this weekend. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I've had a little idea that's been gnawing away at me for 
the last uh, last couple of months on and off. Um, right. It's a different type of app. I'm not going to get into exactly what it does until I've kind of got a beta to, 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 to test because this might just be something that, that you know, withers on the vine or whatever. Um, but suffice to say, I've experienced a few different edges with SwiftUI that I wasn't experiencing with GoVJ. Um, I think to sort of just, just give a bit of a, a picture of what I'm up to. Um, it's it's an app with a list and with detailed um, items in the list. So if you click into it, you get a detailed view. Um, and actually the navigation side of things hasn't really been something that's that's been too much of an issue because it's quite simple. Um, but it's been good to have a bit more experience of, of that going on as well, um, more than I was having. But I think the re- one of the reasons that I kind of headed into this this new project, you know, all guns blazing, it was also because I wanted to test my um, my SwiftUI template that I've got. So I've got a, a SwiftUI and uh, an MVVM template. Um, it's like this, just a, a private Git repository. Well, it's a Git repository that I've got set up. Um, I'm going to make part of it public at some point. Um, that's just got this kind of standard template for an Xcode project with... Um, code generator set up so that I can just add new screens and it just, it stubs out the um, the view with a connection to a view model um, and actually sets up a, a base template for some um, for like a, a set of uh, unit tests as well um, and I wanted to just kind of go okay how quickly can I set up a new project and just start playing that that was really the challenge and I think the answer to that turns out to be about 40 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, which isn't too bad. I'm okay with that. Like, that's kind of, you know, clone it, copy it, rename stuff, go through, tweak this, that, or the other, remove a load of my example bits and bobs, start setting up some new screens. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, maybe 40 minutes is over egging it, but it felt about that way. Um. Yeah, but I'm I'm okay. Does that with mean that. does that mean then that you there's more work to do on the template side, maybe to take it back to like more bare bones? Uh so it's no. more generic? Not really. It means that there's a bunch of stuff that have to be done that in terms of renaming and, and rerouting stuff, um, once you've renamed the project that I could perhaps take a look at and see if I can just automate. Yeah. Um, script it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing here. And it's a case of how many times am I going to do this versus how much time does it take me to manually rename stuff, I think. And if I sort of think, well, how often am I really starting brand new projects? I'm not sure the benefit's there yet. Like, is this something that really needs me to sit down and script out? And that's probably going to take me longer than than the time to set up and, and just rename stuff. So I don't know yet, but I, I think I'd like to at some point just to have it kind of being that slick. But I, I sort of alluded to kind of hitting a few edges with Swift UI, and everything was going great. I've got um, <laughs> images inside of my my list view that you know it, it, the cells are looking great. I've um, okay now I want to get rid of um, the 
separators between items in the list, which are actually underpinned at the moment by UI table view. Um, so, okay, that's fine. I can do that by just using UI appearance and, and getting rid of them globally. That's cool. Okay, I can do that. Um, that feels clunky. That feels like you've got to know the underlying technology to get the effect that you want to have with the uh, with the bit above. Um, and obviously, if I was kind of doing this for for Mac and I wasn't using Catalyst, then I don't know. I'd, I'd need to take a different approach for for the Mac with AppKit, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's not an issue. If it comes to uh, to macOS, it'll be through Catalyst. Um, yeah, so that that always feels a bit odd, and I've I've had that before with SwiftUI. Um, my latest one is I'm kind of grinding against the the fact that SwiftUI doesn't have um, labels with attributed strings, so I can't <laughs> just set up a text. Um, a, a text view and give it an attributed string and have it just lay it out and wrap it and do everything nicely that it needs to do. Yeah. Been yeah. <laughs> okay. So then that leads me headfirst into a couple of bits. So the Swift UI way apparently is to add your text views together. Okay. Well, that kind of works. And then you end up with lots of little text views one after the other, depending on how you're formatting your your attributed text. Actually, that's fine. The model that I've got lends itself to doing that. They're kind of like lozenges with different colors or whatever for for different types of lozenge. Um, So that's almost there. But then what happens at that point? That, That means you end up with a bunch of text views and nothing to tell them how to wrap. Um... So you put them in an, an H stack or whatever, and, and I've, they, they go off the side of the screen. Hmm. Okay. Fine. So, and you can sort of see like this is one of those cases with with SwiftUI where it's a case of like there's a a technology that is not there yet um, in terms of what I'm trying to do. So then it sort of ends up in this kind of workaround sort of situation. So I've got a few routes here. I can. I can carry on and just use lots of text views and come up with some method of kind of laying them out and wrapping them properly in the way that I want them to be. I can start using the iOS 14 uh, beta and I think there's a collection view that I can use in there that will make my life a lot easier. Uh, But I don't have any uh, devices that, that are on the beta really that I would like to test on. And I wanted to kind of just push this app out fairly quickly. Um, so I don't necessarily want to go to iOS 14. Well, that's, a, that's an option. Uh, and the other option is to wrap UI label and just use a tributed string inside of that. Mm-hmm. Which I did, but then I ended up in a load of issues in terms of it not actually um, wrapping very well in terms of sizing itself. Um, I sort of hit some niggly little glitch where UI kit underneath was not did not have enough information to to lay itself out properly and my attributed uh, text was just kind of overflowing outside of the bounds of the uh, of the box that it was supposed to be in right so that that's been 
actually a lot more time than just renaming everything off on the project in the end just trying to find a solution to that um so yeah. everything was quick until i hit that that bump oh man yeah yeah like, everything you're saying sounds like every story regarding swift ui i've ever heard mm. <laughs> like, it all goes so well and it's like it's so quick and it's so easy and then it's like bang there it is there's that wall yep and yeah it's it's, it's not easy um, no. It feels like Swift UI's got a lot of growing up to do. Yeah, I think. I think so. I, you know, it'd be nice just to be able to be like, you know what, I'm just going to write a whole app in Swift UI. Um and obviously not every developer is going to be able to say that, but I think if you're you know, staying reasonably within standard controls and conventions, it'd be nice to get to that point soon. Yeah. You know, if all you're doing is sort of, well, I say, <laughs> if all you're doing, um obviously development's hard and stuff but <laughs> if you're doing something that's fairly standard like list views labels text you know yeah that sort of stuff it'd be nice if swift ui could kind of have a bit of a bow tied on it in that sense and it, it could be like a, a go-to for just that kind of thing um, if you start stepping outside maybe you start needing to do custom stuff doing a bit stuff that's a bit weird and a bit sort of you know pushing the boundaries then sure okay you might probably will have to drop down to UI kit but yeah it'd be great if Swift UI can get there I think probably it will maybe not this year um and by this year I mean like next dub dub I think maybe it's going to be yeah. like another two years out before it's uh sort of quite mature because it's essentially like Swift 2 at the minute isn't it it is a little bit um in terms I of think- its age in terms of its age, yeah, for sure, and, and and how sort of filled out it is. I really don't mind having to wrap stuff from UIKit, to be honest with you. I don't mind that being like, the, okay, I don't have this here yet. That's fine. Stick a wrapper around it and drop it in. That, that actually does feel okay to me because I sort of suspect that by the time we end up with a, a Swift UI component that I can just drop in, I suspect it will be underpinned by that UI kit component anyway and have a very similar behavior, at least to begin with. You know, in the same way as like list is obviously underpinned by you know, table view. And eventually that may well be underpinned by UI collection view instead or something else. It by that time it won't matter, but for the moment, you know, like I can I can override different bits um with, with UI appearance. It's a bit clunky. That that's that's okay, um, but you know, largely the syntax of the way I write a list is probably not going to change that much. You know, so in terms of like my core Swift UI view code, um, away from all the 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 abstractions and UI representables that might be wrapping UI kit stuff and that sort of thing, my Swift UI code itself. Um, I don't expect to be subject to the same amount of change as we had with um, with Swift versions, for example. You know, mm. it feels like a list is still going to be a list and the syntax is broadly going to be the same. And that if it deviates a little bit, it's probably going to be solved within, within Xcode itself with an upgrade. My only thing with it is that if you think to yourself, I'm going to drop down to UIKit, if you're not going to use Catalyst for the Mac, you're then creating like an app kit burden for yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. Which which is why I'm definitely using Catalyst for the Mac. Yeah. Um, so that's the only thing. Like the, part of the 
the draw to Swift UI was sort of the whole write it once and it runs everywhere. I know it's not as simple as that and you you know, you have to put effort in for each platform, but um I found that there was part of me that really wanted to do it sort of Swift UI as a Mac target. Yep. As opposed to doing it the catalyst route. And but then I obviously I couldn't because well I say I couldn't probably could have, but if like I wanted to make a rich text view, um, you know, images, text, maybe like little tickable lists within it, all sort of in line and I've got to build it once in UIKit, then I have to build it again in AppKit. Yeah. Um so it kind of put me into a corner really. It's like well, it has to be catalyst, like it or not. For every little bit that Swift UI matures and actually this is probably quite important to the Mac as a platform because I think as Swift UI matures then we can get sort of, you know, native Mac Swift UI apps as opposed to Catalyst Mac apps. Yeah, potentially. Um, and as great as Catalyst is, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have got a lot of opinions on it, but um, I think it's probably less preferable than a pure Swift UI Mac app as opposed to yeah. taking a Catalyst route. Um, so yeah, my hope is that it, like you say, it fills out over time. And I think it will, maybe another couple of years. Um, but it's it's just at that point, at the minute where you're just going to hit stuff, aren't you? You're just going to run into things. And, Here or there, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's kind of like, it's so painful because it's so fast to start with. It's like I haven't written anything and I've gotten like, a list i've got items in the list i can navigate i can go back i've got like you can do like right to left text you get all this stuff for free yep. dark mode it's like wow this is incredible and then it's like bang but <laughs> now you've hit this edge and it's like right okay now you sort of wave goodbye to the next hour or two trying to figure out like one little thing um i think it's still going it, to be yeah i was gonna say i think it's still net positive i mean we'll see how much time i throw at solving this specific problem but I think if I compare to um, some of how UIKit development can be, certainly when we sort of start getting into um, stepping away from MVC and getting into MVVM implementations or even MV, MVP, Model View Presenter, which is one of the ones that um, I'm using quite regularly uh, for UIKit, depending on how you set things up... Um, Sometimes there can be quite a bit of overhead just in kinds in terms of kind of setting up some of that side of stuff. And then UIKit itself, um, this is the sort of imperative declarative kind of debate, I guess, but there's an awful lot that you have to specify to get certain types of behavior. And I think if I add up all of those sort of little implementation kind of details for UIKit, um, versus the time that I might sink sort of solving this one specific little bump um, for SwiftUI on this project. And, you know, the other bumps that will probably come up as I fill out the rest of the app, I suspect it's going to still be, like, net the same, if not a little bit quicker on SwiftUI's side. Um, I mean, we'll see. I should probably add up the hours. It'd be really, really interesting to kind of, like, race um, a UI kit implementation against a SwiftUI implementation. Yeah. Um, assuming you've got similar levels of experience in both, which is perhaps where the, the things will sort of get a bit unfair. Um, 
but I feel I feel like it's still slick enough and speedy enough um, that it's the right thing to do to try and just fix this bump rather than going, okay, right, I'm back to UIKit then for all of this. Um, you know, for this project, certainly it feels like it's it's still uh, the, the quicker way to sort of go about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying having uh, Combine and having um, the way I've got things set up with a, a view model that uh, the Swift UI view talks to and reads stuff from. Like the, the, the way that I've got data kind of being communicated through the app is, is um, to my mind, quite smooth. Um, so I'm enjoying that sort of aspect of it. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it feels like I'm, even with this bump, it feels like um, it's going to come out sort of on top of if I'd done the same thing with the UI kit. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know what, what more I can really say about it now, actually. Yeah. Before we go this week, I need to just announce that we are taking a little bit of a break for a few weeks. So the podcast is just going to be on on pause for a little while. And I think that's probably going to be uh, most of most of the next month. So we'll see where we are um, towards the end of September. In the meantime, you can find... Uh, myself, David Wood, over on Twitter. Um, my username there is David Gary Wood. Uh, as always, we have our, our Twitter handles linked in the show notes. Uh, where can people find you, Dave? Um, I'm actually just racking, I'm trying to think of what my Twitter handle is. <laughs> it's been so long since I've announced it. Um, I think it's <laughs> underscore Dave Not. Yeah, that's Fairly right. Certain it's that. Yep. <laughs> oh, blimey! Such a pro, um, eh? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought about maybe changing it to like David not, and then I thought, oh, should I keep it as that? I can't I couldn't remember what I did. Um, yeah. Turns out nothing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm over there. <laughs> You're over there. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes anyway. That'll be yeah. uh, easy enough to do. Uh, but I think if, uh, if you've listened this far and you want to get in touch, it'd be lovely to hear from you over on Twitter in the meantime. Uh, we're just taking a bit of a break. 2020 uh, has been a year, eh? Yeah, hasn't it? <laughs> quite a year. Um, could shape up quite nicely at the end in terms of tech, so there's there's that to look forward to. And oh, yeah, of course. Hopefully, uh, you yeah, know, you're all safe and continue to be safe and uh, all of that in, in the meantime. Um, but, yeah, blimey, what, what a year. <laughs> what a year. Who, who would have thought this? Like, literally, this time last year. All I could talk about was like, oh, the 16-inch MacBook Pro is coming. Hopefully, it'll be coming soon. And now yeah. it's like global pandemic. And it's like, wow, what a change of focus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think uh, a bit of a rest. And um, we'll see. We'll see where we are. Cool.